only the hip intrusion detection systems know that fakers gonna fake, 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 and I'm just gonna shake. Swifty for life. Welcome to Security Today, brought to you by Sprinter Business Solutions. Sprinter has a passion for technology, and with the calling card of the cleanest work environments in the low-voltage industry, Sprinter IT is a robust leader in the technology sector. They lead and manage services, datacom, and security, so check them out at SprinterIT.com and at SprinterDatacom on Instagram. I'm your host, the most shook uncle in security, Uncle Bear. That's right, Uncle B-A-E-R underscore on Instagram and Twitter or x whatever you want to call it and security today pod at security today podcast on instagram so give me a like give me a follow and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast because it really helps me feel like i'm not wasting my time here okay hey guys i'm back that's right i understand that uh it is a little touch and go right now on the podcast uh form but here i'm back baby i'm i'm, I'm still in the game she's been a busy busy month for us so check it out but we're still doing things like bid to bank if you haven't checked out the segment bid to bank that is the most recent segment to the security today podcast and what we do is we sit down we talk to integrators and business owners exactly how they handle from the bid bid even before that the marketing down to the bank that's right when they're putting it in and they're figuring out what to do with the money that they just earned well you can check those out okay we got a bunch Bunch of them from uh, from Jeff Day at Better Days Tech. We got Mick from Trican Security. We got um, Dan from Doors Plus. And get this, we just recorded one last week with Frankie from Cicada System. So I'm telling you, and there's even more than that out there. You got to go check them out. We are doing it to it. So get into that. But first, let's get into this. That's right. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Axis A1001 or 1001. Door controller. It's been compromised, so get to higher ground. Also, your Apple iPhone has been compromised, so get to higher ground. And finally, I'm going to leave you shocked, but at least your alarm system saw it coming. But first, that's right, we get into the shout-out. Every single week on this podcast, we give a shout-out to somebody on the Instagram platform that is absolutely killing it. I am out there on that platform. That is the main platform that this podcast works off of because it's the main platform that's got the actual good good when it comes to this industry. All that Facebook shit, all that other like, oh, hey, I did this door and it's like, well, I would have done it like this. You know what? Those people can stay where they're at, okay? Because on Instagram, it is popping right now in the industry of low voltage and physical security. We got guys out there who know what they're doing. They're humble. They're kind. They're willing to share information. They're not just some forum out there that you're reading off of trying to distinguish if you should be using the product or not. I'm telling you, this is where it's at. So this week, what you're going to do is you're going to get on the Instagram platform and you're going to follow at Rob.Corb. That's right, at Rob.Korb, okay? Rob is out of Maryland, and alongside being an excellent destination wedding photographer, this dude is also a fire and explosives investigator. 
How cool does it come? Well, he can't stop and he won't stop. That's right, because he also is a project manager and hazmat specialist for Chief Technologies. This dude does it all. He builds and installs Clean Can Mafia quality. If you don't know, you know. (laughs) Now you know. Clean Can Mafia, check it out. Clean Can Mafia quality fire station alerting system relays and controller boxes. Rob has sent me some of his work via DM, and let me tell you, he puts it on in the tens. In the words of J. Cole, I'm on 10, homie, not nine. So go give a follow and look into some of his work with three, uh, Chief 360 and then send him a little fire emoji just so he knows who sent you. Let's get into the chit chat. Welcome to the Darknet Diaries with Jack Reciter. <laughs> Wrong podcast, though you should be on that. But let me tell you a little tale about the Operation Triangulation Surveillance Campaign. So go ahead and wrap that tinfoil, boys and girls. The Russian Federal Security Agency, the FSB, has put out a security alert claiming that the U.S. intelligence services are behind an attack campaign that exploits vulnerabilities in iOS and compromised thousands of iPhone devices in Russia, including those of foreign diplomats. Now, in a separate report, Russian antivirus vendor Kapersky Labs said that several dozen of its senior employees and upper management were targeted as part of the operation. Although unlike the FSB, they don't the company does not attribute the attack to any specific nation state, but Kapersky Labs has dubbed the surveillance campaign as Operation Triangulation because The malware uses a hardware fingerprinting technique called canvas fingerprinting by drawing little yellow triangles in the device's memory, and the exploit works on devices running iOS as recent as 15.7. After deploying the malicious payload, it prevents future updates, which, (laughs) smart move, and this isn't as physical as we usually get on this podcast, but it is note that something that we physically carry every single day and probably helps us in our business becomes a double-edged sword pretty quickly, and that edge facing us appears to be far sharper than the other. Now, Apple has shipped patches for the remote code execution, the RCE vulnerabilities in iOS that have already been exploited in the wild under the digital spy campaign dubbed Operation Triangulation. The fixes have been released both for the latest versions of iOS 16.5.1 and the original vulnerable version of 15.7. Apple noted that the attacks have only been seen on devices running iOS versions older than 15.7. So don't update on a Friday, bitches, but get it done. Let's get into the product highlight. A bit of a different product highlight today. Axis Communications says it has addressed a vulnerability in the A1 1001 network door controller after two employees of operational technology cybersecurity firm Otorio uh unco- was that how you say that who made that name up uncovered what they called a critical vulnerability in the system listen the Axis A1001 if you don't know is a non-proprietary open and IP-based access controller suitable for both smaller installations and advanced mid-sized systems it comes with built-in software for basic access management and is also open for third-party software well, This allows the unit to be integrated with other systems such as video surveillance, intrusion detection, and time and attendance. The controller is powered over Ethernet and can also power connected equipment, minimizing the need for extra cabling. Now, as slick as that sounds, it's been discontinued. Its product support ends early in 2029, but if you have put some in or you know some with a client, then take note. Ariel Harush and Roy Hodir from Otorio have found a flaw in the Axis A1001 when communicating over OSDP. 
A heap-based buffer overflow was found in the passcode process, which is handling the OSDP communication, allowing to write outside of the allocated buffer. By appending invalid data to an OSDP message, it was possible to write data beyond the heap allocated buffer. And that data written outside of the buffer could then be used to execute arbitrary code. The issue involves the way the A1001 communicates, according to Atorio's complaint, to the National Vulnerability Database. Such a flaw could pose a significant threat to facilities' security and their internal IP networks. The complaint says that this discovery sheds light on potential risks to highly fortified OT networks unintentionally blurring the line between physical and digital security. What they're addressing there is that gray line that we all know has been creeping in for the last decade or so, where the digital form or the digital world and the physical world are having to blend just because of where we're at. The exploit for this vulnerability, according to Otorio, requires physical access to the RS-485 twisted pair cable situated at the rear of an access control reader, typically stationed at the entry of a secured facility or perimeter. The CVSS rates the exploit as a 7.1, 7.1, which is considered high in the CVSS rate uh, and Axis has as as of the 25th of July released a security advisory notice that highlights a patched version for affected devices that increases the robustness of the OSDP message parser and patches the highlighted flaw. So if you know, you know and fix your shit. All right. On to the meat. You see the show notes for the show boats, y'all. If you want to know where that vulnerability thing is, but on to the meat on this podcast, it's one of my goals that I'm bringing you a couple of things. Let me tell you about it. Some of you may know, but some of you may not what the genesis of this podcast was. So I have been in the security industry for a little over a decade and the majority of my career has been in a van. The van jockey, the road warrior, the driving three and a half hours in the morning to work a site to return three and a half hours in the evening, three times a week for months on end. Yes, that was one of the jobs I had. And with all that road time, I was still the same old unk you got today. And I was hungry. That's right. I wanted to use what time I had. It felt like such a waste to chew a bag of beech nut and listen to Drake and Post Malone for 21 hours a week. God, as I say that, clearly I was on the right path thinking that I set out to find some content and material that was pertinent to my craft. And when it came to podcasts, there were none. Literally, there was one from like As Is International. It was monthly and it was 23 minutes, blah, but which meant that I did a lot of IT Pro TV and I listened to criminology and cybersecurity podcasts because cyber podcasts are dime a dozen. But that led me to start this podcast here. So I often remind myself of the mission of this podcast, which is I want this podcast to inform, instruct, and indulge the security technician as they make the world a safer place. With that in mind, I make sure that I bring relevant news that we chit chat about, that I highlight products that are pertinent to our field and might be something you've needed to add to your repertoire. And then I find content within our industry that will make you want to be better at your craft. It could be about certain devices, certain things that have happened to our industry, who to avoid, what to look out for, what is relevant in an adjacent field. 
And I know you know this, but I want to make sure that the person you're going to tell about this podcast this week knows it too, right? So expanding your understanding and maybe your ability to find use case, I want to talk about vibration sensors or shock sensors. Vibration sensors are designed to detect low-frequency energy and vibrations caused in the aftermath of heavy impacts that occur during forceful attacks on walls, ceilings, floors, or other barriers or which they've been installed. We've all heard of them. I'm sure that you were aware of vibration sensors before I started talking, but I want them to be in your mind as you're looking at these sites and you're designing security. You have to look into more commercial mainstream alarm security providers, but shock sensors are not uncommon and you can pick them up at your local ADI. Also, side note, speaking to what I opened this section with, I also find that I can be the most valuable by not um, being brought, not being bought by a company or bought by the content as not to offer information on one company over the other. So I can say things on this podcast like go to ADI to get it. Or I can say, don't use ADI for that, or use PDK, or fuck hike. And because you trust your uncle in security, you're going to be better for it. So back to vibration sensors. For instance, the PowerG wireless shock sensor, PGX935, made by DSC. This is one that I actually used to put on the inside of managers' offices where the safe room was in phone stores so that if someone broke in, as phone stores are something that you place in lower-end areas and carry a higher-end product, and they couldn't get through the access-controlled locked door to the office, well, they might just take a sledgehammer straight through the sheetrock. Even if it was fire-related and double thickness, that first hit, bam, alarm. You see, the shock sensor tends to be overlooked because while it's not a reed switch that's going to tell you if the door uh, is open or not, and when hanging and banging and slanging and ganging alarm panels, it's keys, it's easy to miss opportunities to secure areas in a way that aren't common in the industry or maybe that aren't taught. You see, that's just it. Many of us get caught up in the grind of just doing what we were told to do when we learned it. And maybe there's a faster way to hang the PIR than that old fart who taught us never really like picked up. So you adapt, right? But while you adapt your work, are you adapting your outlook? Because you still hang the PIR in that spot, in that situation, because that old fart did it, and well, you know that it works. But there are some advantages of looking outside of the box. For instance, advantages of vibration sensors as a frontline defense? Just installing reed switches on doors or PIRs in rooms is not going to be sufficient to true holistic security, because by the time they activate and a response is generated, that threat has been gifted quite a large amount of time. Every single site, residential or commercial, you put security on, you should be approaching with a method, a method that's been proven over time and implemented on nuclear facilities. So it's probably good enough for Mr. Johnson's house, which is the concentric rings of security. That's the method you should be using, often referred to defense in depth. Now, I'm no stranger to talk about it, but it's the idea that you identify the asset, okay, and then you work outward from that asset to the edge of the property where the attack has begun. From the route of the parking lot, the sidewalk, the woods on the north end of the property to the asset, your goal is to set up as many lines of defense as you can that are reasonable to the value of the asset and to the cost needed to be incurred by the client. Working within those parameters, though, specifically when it comes to a sensor, you want to detect at the earliest possible point. 
An alarm system isn't going to save the asset if the attacker has fortified their mind to only be stopped by force, right? But the intrusion detection system is going to get the element of force there, and that's when it becomes crucial to making it as quick as possible. This is where a shock sensor breaks away from the pack and becomes a clear front runner for the defense in depth approach to securing a site. I'm going to highlight two areas where a vibration sensor is underutilized, just to give you an example. And the first is an outer perimeter. This will be more common in higher end residencies or maybe a commercial space with a lot or that's fenced or something like that. But if the outer perimeter of the site has been donned by a fence or a gate, a shock sensor is an excellent way to sound an alarm and to stop an intrusion. The power comes through integration. So I went back and memorized it for you guys if you've been listening to the show. But it's lights, landscape, and locks. The only L's your uncle takes. I should get that up on a sticker. Would you put that on your Milwaukee? If it was, a, a, you know, dash Uncle Bear like I said it. Lights, landscapes, locks. The only L's your uncle takes. If you could pair a vibration sensor with larger lights, like several floodlights around the perimeter, maybe a couple living room lights and a short burst of a horn, you just struck fear in the majority of your trespassers. And if you didn't, well, you got other problems anyway. But the second area that I want to say that shock sensors are underutilized is the perimeter door. So often, the door is monitored with a door contact. The door contact, in its essence, is half a detection device and half a monitoring device. It will tell you and detect if the door's been opened to sound the alarm, and it will also monitor is that door open or closed. I would say, though, it errs on the side of actually a monitoring device. The common break in, in uh, this is going to be some idiot with a hoodie scrunched tight, you know, and his dimwit friends as they kick the door or they use a shoulder or a crowbar to try to get it to bypass the latch. All of these things will vibrate sometimes minutes before the door is actually open. Like there are multiple YouTube videos you can go out there to break-ins or whatever you want to watch on YouTube. And you can see that these guys come up to the door and they're starting to get into the door. And sometimes it takes three, four, five, six kicks. A crowbar takes you know, a minute and a half to actually break into the thing. Well, a shock sensor has alerted you the first time that door was kicked. And that is minutes that you need as an IDS, right? So now you'll find companies like Ajax Alarms, which is the best wireless alarm system on the market, where they merge a door contact with a shock sensor. This is the most ideal situation, but in the event that the manufacturer doesn't have that, I could actually see the argument for a vibration sensor on a perimeter main entry rather than a door contact if you had to pick it, convince me otherwise. But all that to say, I would just highly suggest adding this little bugger to your lineup and to your everyday security design. And when it works, <laughs> well, you're welcome. That's it for security today. I might have left you shook, but remember that this podcast is brought to you by Sprinter Business Solutions at Sprinter Datacom on Instagram, so give them a like and follow. DM me at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore or at Security Today Podcast on Instagram and Twitter with your thoughts, your stories, or your resources. Please, please, please share this podcast. There are so many people you know 
who would kiss you on the mouth for introducing them to this. So follow at Rob.Corb on Instagram because he's a real one. And you know that Bear is the standard. I'm only going to be part of and actually sit on the advisory board for the real nonprofit technology community out there doing the good good. So you can be a part of it literally in the next five minutes if you go to Technology Worldwide. That's at Tech. T-E-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E-W-W on Instagram and DM them a kissy face and let them know that Bear sent you. They'll give you special treatment, I promise. So live long and prosper, my Jedis. And in the words of Jeff Day from Better Days Tech, church. <laughs>